The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by WinBet. Bet $100 at WinBet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Rochelle, and joining me once again is my co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to break down the upcoming men's tournament in Mets, which should be a lot of fun. But before we do all that, introductions. Sam, how's it going with you? It's been a while since we had an episode. A little bit of fun with some Davis Cup action over the past week. But overall, I haven't seen you since arguably the semis of the U.S. Open. So how have you been? You haven't seen me. We're roommates. What are you talking about? I mean, you know, I I haven't, you know, had the podcast. I haven't had the pleasure (laughs) of having you on as my co-host for the podcast, but you get the idea. Yeah, we we got a nice week break there with uh, a break in tournaments at the U.S. Open, but we had some Davis Cup action, which was fun. But, you know, they're they're really exhibitions, not really too competitive. So, well, I mean, Davis Cup is more national pride. It's not for points or anything like that, but. We, we, we kind of made a joke. Or we had a conversation about it, even though people are trying to represent their countries. You got to assume when you're surrounded by like 10 plus people or give or take of people that from your country speak the same language as you. I mean, you're in a foreign country. You got to be drinking around the, around the clock, right? Like right. after your matches, you got to be socializing pretty heavily there. Right. Yeah. And my, and my theory about that is that you're playing a game where you're literally by yourself and your team, which is really usually consists of older men. Um, and you're finally around teammates, your age in the same nationality. There's no way they're not partying at some point, especially if you're one of the young guys on the tour. So uh, de- definitely they're having fun. I love when they bring out the Vuvuzelas. That's always a good time. Um, so it's fun to watch. But I'm happy to get back to some real tournaments, some real competition. Yeah, and the main reason why we ended up skipping this past week was because even though there was Davis Cup action, it was borderline impossible to actually find betting odds on matches in the Davis Cup. I'm not sure why, but no book had it, and I was looking for it constantly. I just couldn't find it. There were a couple of books that had some lines occasionally, but it just wasn't consistent enough. So we decided to skip it instead of trying to pick and choose matches Plus, we had no future odds to go with because it's a long-standing overall. Uh, I, can't, I can't even call it a tournament, but event. If that's what you want to call it. So we decided to just skip it, and we'll maybe talk about that as the final rounds approach. But we decided to skip it for now. But I do want to talk to you quickly about the U.S. Open semis and the final. I plugged your victory there in the Alcaraz Tiafo match, but I'll let you take your victory lap now. I put, I, uh, we, I hit in the plus 550, and we both like the Kashan of under 20, 20 and a half or 20? It was 20. It was 20 um, flat, and we all, games, yeah. Right? And I ended up having Rude uh, to win and both players to win a set. And then for the final, I ended up splitting. Uh, you did not give me any picks for that one, uh, but I ended up losing with Alcaraz minus three and a half, and I won with Alcaraz to win and each player to win a set. Unfortunately, I picked Alcaraz in four, but that wasn't good enough to cover the spread because Rude crushed him in the second set. And then you had the third set tie break for Alcaraz. So, yeah, overall, pretty decent final. Technically made money because I hit the dog. But Alcaraz, one of the more impressive uh, runs I've seen in a while just because of the stamina and the constant five-hour marathons. 
and the fact that it's his first ever Grand Slam and he's not even 20 yet. He's now the new number one. Do you think that it was a historic Grand Slam run or is it automatically tainted because Djokovic wasn't there? Um, I, I got to give it to him. You know, hats off to Alcaraz for winning the tournament there 100%. He kind of got, I don't want to call it lucky, but it really is kind of lucky that the top guys were eliminated on his path uh, to victory there. Uh, but I still can't take it away from him. We both didn't think that he would have had it in him to really win this tournament. Um, but once the path cleared up for him, uh, it was getting more and more and more likely for him to get there. And congratulations for him to doing that. But Medvedev uh, gets eliminated. Kyrgios early. Kyrgios kind of loses his cool and loses to Khashanov. Nadal's hurt. Djokovic is not there. Uh, I don't want to. I'm not making any excuses or justifying why Alcaraz shouldn't have won. I, I 100% congratulate him, and it's a great win for him. But it's definitely something that needs to be mentioned when you're still thinking about who the who the number one overall player is in the world. Yeah, it's still Djokovic. I mean, I mean, nothing's going to change from that. He's still the best player. Uh, I thought the comments from his coach. It was his coach, right? Or was it his uncle? Um, I think it was his uncle. Phenomenal comments. Basically said, well, because he can't participate, he's training now, and his body got extra rest. Seven more years. Unbelievable player. Just basically saying Djokovic extended his career like prime by like five years because he wasn't able to participate in one U.S. Open. I find a really, really funny comment, but that's besides the point. There's nothing really you can do about it. I mean, Djokovic has to hopefully be able to participate in Australia next year. He'll be a huge favorite. He'll probably win. He dominates the Australian Open every year. So we'll see what happens moving forward. I know he couldn't participate in the Davis Cup, so he's kind of just been relaxing and training until whenever he's going to be seen again at some point. But besides that, though... Really quick, though, really quick, though, how crazy is it that Djokovic can't play in the U.S. Open and a week and a half later, the President of the United States comes out and says COVID is done, like it's completely over. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's just absolutely absurd to even think about that he couldn't play in this tournament and that happens. Yeah, no. but either way, it's bad timing. We thought he should have been playing anyway, but it is what it is. Uh, other than that, though, do want to get into some other topics of news over the past week. But before we do all that, we're gonna have another. We're gonna have a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet now is the perfect time because new customers who bet one hundred dollars get a one hundred dollar free bet. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open twenty four hours a day, where you can get a one hundred percent deposit bonus up to one thousand dollars. Plus, WinBet has its own same game parlay feature. Just click on the game that you like, select build your own bet, and start building a monster parlay. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. If you watch football, you need 
Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all of your devices and never miss a game or an episode of your favorite shows with the included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try Fubo TV free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best line available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different signup codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire, oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished recapping the U.S. Open. Talk about Alcaraz's win and also going through briefly Sam's victory lap on that plus 550 for the U.S. Open semis. Now it's time to pivot over to a completely unrelated topic, and it's a guy that has not played in a while. He's actually scheduled to play in about a week and change, but Roger Federer, who is one of the greatest players of all time, officially announced that he will be retiring after the upcoming exhibition tournament in the Laver Cup, and then after that, he will... Still be involved, probably make some public appearances at Wimbledon, etc. Maybe the occasional doubles match, but it basically sounds like his career is over. And he had a very, very nice four-minute uh, video that he posted on Twitter, which kind of said that he's ready to move on to the next stage of his life. Uh, besides the overall impact that he's had on the game and the fact that people argue he's the best player of all time, is there anything you want to add about Federer? Because I have been following tennis for a long time, I know you followed tennis for a long time, too. I believe I might have followed it a little bit longer than you have. Any takeaways from Federer's career? Any moments that stand out or anything you really just want to say? Yeah, I mean, overall, just class act player. And it's very rare that you get a guy like Roger Federer, who I don't think there's ever been any controversies around him for from what I could remember. I mean, he's a clear family man, clear class act doesn't disrespect the game at all. I it's just, you know, he's he's going to be one he's going to be put down as easily one of the best players of all time obviously, and he's probably going to be the most popular player to ever play the game for a long long time. Everyone knows the name Roger Federer or Novak Djokovic. I go to a guy on the street who doesn't follow sports or any whatever it is, and I go, "Do you know who Novak Djokovic is?" There's a good chance he just doesn't know that name and who that is. But uh, you mentioned a guy named Roger Federer and yeah, they'll know who that is. So yeah, I mean, congratulations to Roger Federer. Great career. One of, will be one of the best of all, of all time. And, you know, I'm happy to say that because of who he was as a player. So for me, my viewing of Federer goes way back because I still remember him participating 
in arguably the two greatest matches in the history of the sport. And there are a couple of matches you can argue that could compete with that. The Nadal Djokovic Australian Open final, which took about six hours and change. Like that was an all-time great match. If you want to go recency buys, you can talk about the Alcaraz center match from this past U.S. Open. But for me, the two greatest matches of all time are the Nadal Federer Wimbledon final, which I think is the second best match of all time. And my personal favorite, maybe because of, se- of sentimental reasons, was the Federer Safin match in the Australian Open. And it's kind of, I, I don't want to say ironic, or I, it wasn't intentional that Federer lost both those matches. And I think they're the two best matches of all time. But they were two matches that really shaped my love for tennis. And I remember watching the Safin match at roughly two or three in the morning because they're playing in Australia. I was in Turks and Caicos at the time on a family vacation. I might have been maybe eight years old. And I was watching that match when I was eight at like two or three in the morning. And it was unreal, the quality of tennis back then. I think that's the best match of all time, in my opinion. But still, the point is Federer has been a part of my tennis viewing experience and a part of tennis as a whole pretty much ever since I started following the sport. And as a result, Federer has always been synonymous with tennis for me. And I'm sure if you asked most people, when you think of tennis, who's the first person you think of, they're going to say Roger Federer. Because as you said before, he's probably the most popular player to ever play the game. You can argue in America, you know, maybe like a Serena Williams or somebody domestically, but internationally, Federer is easily the most beloved player of all time. I don't think anybody really dislikes him. The only people that dislike him are either Djokovic or Nadal fans that view him as a threat, historically speaking. But even then, you still have admiration for the guy. But Federer, we talked about how he's one of the best players ever. The one thing that he was always better at than playing tennis was being an ambassador for the sport of tennis. And it goes back to what you said. He's never had any controversy, ever. He's been in the sport for 20-something years, and nobody's really ever said a bad thing about him. And the fact that he has been in so many big matches, the fact that he arguably has the greatest prime or the greatest peak of all time of any player, and you can go through the actual eras, Grand Slam count, he'll be behind Nadal and Djokovic because of longevity. But to go through peak in the early to mid-2000s, peak Federer might be the greatest player of all time. And I watched him dominate for basically a decade straight. And it seemed like every year Federer was going to win Australia, he was going to win Wimbledon, and then probably the U.S. Open, and he'd lose the French Open to Nadal. That's basically how it was going to go for about, I don't know, I don't even know at that point, maybe a decade or so. Of course, it didn't work out exactly that way. But Federer was so dominant in his prime, and I feel like you had to witness it to recognize how dominant he was. Because it was before Djokovic blossomed, Nadal was mostly a clay guy when he just started out. He was still good at the other, at the other services, but mostly clay. Federer was basically running unopposed for about two, three years minimum, where he just went into a tournament, no matter how long it was, no matter who he was playing against, and he just assumed he'd win. And I feel like that's my main takeaway for Federer's career. He was the original, most dominant player I've ever seen. And I will always remember him for that. He's always been a class act. He's always been a nice guy. And I hope to see him around the tour in some capacity moving forward. But I just kind of just want to want to say I used to root against Federer back in the day. 
not because I disliked his play style. He's one of the most graceful players of all time, not because I disliked him as a person, but because he was too good. It reached a point where it was him versus everybody else, and you thought Federer was going to win. My comparison for Federer in his prime was Tiger Woods in his prime. You went into a random tournament and just said, I have to watch this guy play. Everyone's competing for second place. He's running on a post. That's what I think of when I think of prime Federer in the mid-2000s. Everyone was fighting for second place. And like they say, you know, you either have grace or you don't have grace. And Federer was born with grace. Wow. Did you come up with that one yourself? Wow. No, that's a Seinfeld reference. I was joking. I'm sure it is. (laughs) But either way, uh, that's my takeaway from Federer. I watched him play a ton of matches. A lot of all-time classics. Him against Nadal. Him against Federer. I'd go out of my way to watch him play. I also watched him win the gold medal in doubles with Wawrinka uh, back in back in the day, which is also cool. But still, yeah, it's always sad when you're a fan of a sport, and it's a little bit different when you're our age and you're roughly 24, 25, and you have your parents who are in their 50s, and they can tell you about the entire career of somebody and how they witnessed it. It's very weird when I'm going to be looking back on Federer's career as he's the first of the big three to retire, to tell people of future generations, like, this was Federer, this was him. And I got to witness it from the ground floor. And I think that's pretty cool. Yep, couldn't agree more. So besides that, though, that's kind of all we have to say about Federer. Um, Yeah, once again, congrats to him on a great career. I can't say that I'm shocked by the announcement, but of course, you'd rather uh, not accept reality, which was the fact that his playing competitively uh, you know, for Grand Slams and everything, that part of his career was over. But still, time to move on to the post-U.S. Open hardcourt season. Now we're going to look at one tournament in Mets uh, that's taking place, of course, in France. And to go through the odds there, we, we know that there's also a tournament in San Diego, but because of the overall schedule on the West Coast, we decided to just cover Mets in this one because we have future odds right now, and we do not have that for San Diego. But to go through the actual odds, Medvedev, the former world number one who forfeited the title to Alcaraz following his U.S. Open title, is the favorite here at minus 125. Then you have Herkaz at 5-1. to one. You have Korda at 10-1, to one, who had a nice win over Gaston uh, yesterday, which I guess means something. Gaston's not very good, but still he won. Bublik is 20-1. to one. He gave Fritz a run for his money in the Davis Cup before losing in three. Then you have Dominic Team at 20-1. to one. You have Rusevori, 22-1. Gasquet, 22-1. to one. Rune 25 to 1, Umber, who beat team in the challenger final over this past weekend at 25 to 1. Sonigo at 25 to 1, Manorino 28 to 1. Uh, you get the idea. So starting off, Sam, with you, Medvedev once again favored in a tournament. First of all, do you think he's going to win? Second of all, is there any value at all taking him at minus 125? in what seems to be a pretty mediocre field in terms of competition. Yeah, for sure. Definitely not so high class that we're used to seeing um, in some of these tournaments. But uh, in this one, I I actually did see minus 160 yesterday. So minus 125 is not actually that bad of a deal when it comes to value. And I do think that Medvedev is going to win this tournament. I don't think he has any competition really until he gets to maybe the semifinal or the final. So I really think you're cruising 
to pretty much the semifinal uh, with Medvedev. He has to win two matches to get there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone else is going to be uh, too much of a competition. They, when we see Medvedev lose, we've seen players who could serve in volley. And when you just go across all these players that are in his half even, there's not many players that can pull it off too much. You could throw out like a Michael Yimmer because he's got his speed, which can cause Medvedev problems, but you don't even know if he's going to get there. And either way, Medvedev versus Michael Yimmer, Medvedev is going to come out on top 95% of the time. So uh, Medvedev should be a clear favorite here. Hercats is uh, obviously should be number two, and that could be an interesting final, but Hercats also is not really a serving volley type of player either. So, good server, though. So. Yeah, good server and good player in general, but the weakness for Medvedev are the players that could get up to the net and volley because he stands so far behind the service line uh, for his returning games. So I, I don't see anyone besides Medvedev really making a run to the final as easy. So minus 125 really isn't so bad when you, when you, when you look at that, and especially when I saw minus 160 yesterday, I, I wouldn't. The only player in, in mind here, if you're going for an actual play uh, without just sprinkling it on the uh, long shots, would definitely be Medvedev. Yeah, uh, Medvedev, I think, is probably going to win the tournament. I can't say that it's a hot take when you're taking one of the best hardcore players in the world and the one Achilles heel that he has uh, will not really be exploited because of the fact that there's really no servant volley guy. However, I am going to throw out there that Herkaz did win this event last year. So he is the defending champion. So maybe if you want to go for the back for the repeat champ, you could go at five to one. I think that Medvedev would beat him. I know Herkaz beat him in a final on grass earlier this year. Medvedev's not exactly that good on grass. He's okay. He's not amazing by any means. I think Medvedev would get revenge here if they were playing against each other. But I do think the favorites are probably where the tournament's going to be decided. I'm not sure you're going to get full chalk with Medvedev against Herkaz, but I expected at least one of them to be in the final. And I'm trying to look down the line here. I don't see many great options in terms of value. Like, Bublik's a good server, so mm-hmm. maybe you can make a case at 20 to 1 if he serves out of his mind. The yeah. issue is Bublik, just based on shot selection and actual tennis IQ, is really prone to self-destruct because he'll double fall to throw in some underhand serves, etc. But I'm looking at his region. Bubik plays Furnace in the first round, French qualifier he should win. Then most likely Roussevori, I think he'll win that one. And then he faces either Rune, Umber, or Bonzi. I think Bublik's got a decent path. Now, the issue is he'd face off against Medvedev in the semis. So that's not exactly a good situation when you're in the same region as Medvedev. But any thoughts on Bublik at 20 to 1? Because I feel like if you're going to be successful in hard court, especially uh, potentially beating Medvedev, because I think you're going to have to go through Medvedev if you want to win this event, you have to at least hold serve somewhat frequently. Bublik's a good server, and he's creative enough. He could go to the net. So maybe Bublik at 20 to 1 if you're really thinking about a long shot. But I think you can tell him kind of grasping at straws. Yeah, I would take Bublik to 1 if I. Um... Bublik to win his quarter yeah. if I saw that up. I'm kind of surprised to see Holger Rune having a bye with Bublik not having a bye. I mean, Holger Rune uh, on hard court after Wimbledon really, really did not have a good season on hard court. Even just matches after Wimbledon, he lost three straight. The two guys that he beat was Benoit Paire 
and Fabio Fognini, who we've talked about in the past, not really being too uh, big of a competition. And then he beat Gojocic one round in the U.S. Open, and that was that. Uh, I think that Bublik should actually be favored if they go up against each other. So if, if you see a quarter bet with Bublik uh, being able to take the second quarter, I think that would be a much brighter play here, especially with the, the draws that he's in. But if you're going for a long shot, that would be the one too, because I think he's going to come out of that quarter. Uh, he'll have to play Medvedev, which is, you know, not good for him at, in the least. Uh, but if the you're going to have a guy Bub- that's 20 yeah, to Bub- one, Bublik's quarter, so unorthodox though, that maybe he would actually sprinkle in some serve and volley because you need some creativity. And even if you're not going to be a well-known serve and volley guy, we know Bublik's not afraid to push the envelope for better or worse. So do I think he could embrace some serve and volley into his game plan? I can see it. Uh, I don't know how successful he would be doing it against Medvedev, but uh, that's what he would need to do to win. But he, he he's also a guy that could be very stubborn on his gameplay and just not go for it and go for what he knows, and then it's over. So I, I, I if you're going to pick a 20-1 to 1 or more long shot, I think that's the guy because I think he has a real clear path to win the quarter. But uh, do I think he's going to beat Medvedev by any means? No. Uh, for the record, by the way, they have played four times in their careers, uh, three times on hard court. First time was in 2016. Medvedev killed them, so we'll skip that. Played in Roland Garros in 2021. Clay, we'll skip that. They played twice in 2021 on hard court. Medvedev won 6-4-7-6, and they played in Canada in 2021. Medvedev did win, but it went three sets. Google so got- did win a set. No, yeah, you got some. You got some close play there. If you go to a what was it, type six four seven six? You said in the first one. Oh uh, yeah, six four seven six in the Olympics. In, there. in the Olympics, twenty twenty one, and then they played again in Canada in the Masters of Thousand events, and Medvedev won uh, four six six three six four. All right, so you got a three set. You got some close sets there. So if you want to sprinkle a long shot, that I think that's the guy. Uh, like I, I'd be looking at like someone like Musetti. But he really he doesn't have a. He's clear, not a hardcore guy though. He's not as clear, right? And he doesn't have that clear of a path compared to Bublik. So at twenty eight to one for Musetti, it's really not worth it to even look at compared to twenty to one Bublik. Uh, that you have a clear path for a quarter win. Yeah, I'm trying to look at the bottom half because we just talked about the Medvedev section. Yemmer, if you want to go for a forty to one shot, maybe. But I really don't like his section. Plays Manorino in the first round. Manorino's unorthodox. I'm not sure if I actually like that matchup. And then he'll probably play against Atta. Atta's a good server. I mean, Yemmer might be able to wear him down, but I'm not sold on those first two rounds. They're definitely not cakewalks. So I think I'm going to pass on Yemmer there, despite me actually liking him as an overall player. The problem is with the bottom half, I really don't like anybody in this section. Because you're looking at Herkaz. He has a buy in the first round, then plays Gasquet or Team. He should win against either guy, especially at, their, at the stage in uh, Cascade's career and team's rehab, or whatever you want to call it at this point. Uh, you have Basilashvili, Bergs, Munar, and Rinderknich. So uh, Perk has better make it to the damn like quarters or semis. Uh, then to go through the other people in his region, you have Sonigo, Golfen, Simone, Korda, and Musetti. And that's the third quarter. Right? I was going to say, you're looking at Herc has basically coasting to the semis, right? If not uh, the final, I mean, I don't see anybody in that overall half that's really intimidating. Besides, maybe team if you want to make a case, but I don't see it. Yeah, semis for sure. Uh, the that quarter, 
the only guy, I mean, Gasquet would be his toughest opponent, and he's not much of of a tough opponent for a guy like Hercat. Maybe so. Corda in the semis because he's a good returner. Maybe he can make things a little bit uncomfortable for for Hercat. So maybe Corda, if you want to take a shot there at around uh, 10 to 1. But do I think Corda would beat Medvedev? No. So I don't really know what the value is. I think Hercat is going to win his quarter. There's no prices. I mean, he should be like minus what, like 200 to win the quarter, minus 180. Like, I'm I, nobody's scared to me win in that section. quarter. No, not Medvedev. Herkaz. Oh, there's nobody yeah. in the section. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what his odds are going to be, but he, he should be a minus favorite. I mean, I don't 100. I don't see anybody in that section that really scares me. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a minus 300 in there for him. I was going to say, like, I, yeah. I feel like reputation alone though would be well. He has team next round, so they'll lower it automatically. But like, the fact that team's a lower odds guy than Umber and Umber just smacked them in straight sets this past weekend doesn't make any sense either. But team on reputation might cut into the odds on Herkaz. He really should make it to the semis. His section is a cakewalk. So if you want to go for him to win the title because of the cakewalk schedule, I guess I understand that. But I really expect him to coast and maybe a sprinkle there on Korda because he's a good returner and maybe he can get under Herkaz's skin. But I think we're both picking Medvedev, Herkaz, relatively chalkish final, unless you want to take a spin on somebody, but that's kind of where I'm looking. Yeah, the, I mean, I, like I mentioned before, the only guy that I would sprinkle in is on Bublik because I think he has a good path to win his quarter, and you know that's the best bet you can make. Yeah, and both of us are big quarters guys, but unfortunately we don't see any odds up, so... Bublik quarter, I'm willing to make basically an official play. I think it's going to be plus money. It actually it will it will be plus money. I mean, why would it not be plus money, especially with Rune having a buy? I think Bublik's the best hardcore player in that grouping. So I do think he has a good path, good server as well. I know he's capable of doing it. He had a very competitive four set match against Batista, uh, against Krenjabusta in the U.S. Open, which didn't go his way, but it looked very he looked competent and solid in that match. So I think he can get it done. Plus, he's been staying active, which I like. You're a little bit worried about the layoff for some players because they just came out of the U.S. Open. They might have not have played a match for maybe two weeks or so. You have a couple of guys who are playing in the Davis Cup, so they were able to stay on point. Bublik's one of those guys. Yemmer's one of those guys. Do you think it makes sense to back those guys in the first couple rounds because there will be no rust at all? So I don't... When it comes to the Davis Cup and the fatigue based off... Um, the layoff between us open and now I don't think it's too much. Uh, it's not a change of surface and we're going indoor where there's not too much, uh, random conditions, even though that doesn't really pay too much of a factor, but we've had a layoff of one week. I'm not really too, um, hesitant on the guys that didn't play in the Davis cup here. They, they do have the ex- matches, but they, they could have the fatigue. So it could go both ways. I'm not going to really, Put that into the equation when, come, when trying to figure out who's going to win these matches. I was just asking either way because you could worry about fatigue, but that's why you might be okay with the first couple rounds. Maybe that'll catch up to Yemmer and Bublik in the later rounds. But for the first couple rounds, maybe keep an eye on Yemmer and Bublik because they should still be pretty fresh and they're not going to involve any type of layoff or any type of rust because they have been playing for the past week. That's kind of my main point. I mean, Bublik's last match, he did play a doubles match in the Davis Cup, and he had to, I guess, travel because it was in Glasgow, and now he's at Mets. But 
uh, I think he still should be okay here, and I don't think fatigue will be too much of a factor for him, especially because a lot of these other guys also played in the Davis Cup anyway. So Yeah, but I kind of just thought it was worth bringing up. Uh, besides that, though, I did want to bring up briefly before we wrap up the futures, the actual previous winners. And believe it or not, it's not really that big of a surprise because it's a minor tournament post-U.S. Open, and it's in France. A lot of French people have won this tournament since it started in 2003. Uh, to go through the actual number of French players, 2003, 2004, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 15, 16, 18, and 19, all were won by French people. So if you want to go for a local choice, I think that would work in previous years when the actual competition wasn't that high. However, 2016, Luca Puy did beat Dominic Team. So we have seen some upsets here with the French person getting the uh, the nod, so to speak. But I do want to ask, are there any guys from France that you're interested in or do you see nobody? Because at first glance, the shortest odds Frenchman is Gasquet at 22 to 1. I'm not picking Gasquet to win anything in this stage of his career. Do you want to make a case for Umber in a dream run or just you think that it doesn't really matter because with Medvedev and with Herkaz, you have much better competition. And you're assuming the guy from France, maybe you'll make a quarter run somewhere. But that's basically it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not making a case for Humber. I'm not a big fan of how he's been playing recently. Um, yeah, he did very well in this, like, in the French exhibition. It was, it, mean, was a cha- it was a challenger event. I mean, he beat team in the final, but it was challenger, so... Step up in I mean, competition. Honestly, that could that could hurt him. He's he's been playing for the whole week, every almost every single day. So I'm definitely not going to make a case there. He's also only a minus one thirty five favorite against Bonzi, who's yeah. also a Frenchman. So for a run, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, for any Frenchman, the best Frenchman in the field is really Manorino, but he's in Medvedev's quarter. Uh, maybe they'll win a few matches. I don't expect any of them to hit the semifinal. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I just thought it was worth bringing up because I try to always discuss the previous winners and any trends there. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual futures breakdown. Uh, now it's time to get into the fun segment, which is the actual picks for the upcoming matchups in the tournament. But before we do that, we're going to have another quick word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet of Bet on up to five player props over unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Make sure to check out Know House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Sign up with the promo code SGPN at knowhouseadvantage.com or download the app to get a first deposit match up to $25. We're also brought to you by promoguide.us. Promoguide.us is the best place to go if you're interested in plus EV betting strategies. They have daily updates. 
updates on odds boosts and huge cash bonuses from all the major sports books. And they've got a VIP Discord group that puts even deeper plus EV analytics right at your fingertips. I gotta say, we've been looking at their daily promo updates and they are some of the most informative in the game. They don't simply tell you what team is probable to win, but where you'll get the best odds and how to track down and cash in big on constantly changing promotions. If you're not already using mathematical models to help you with your picks, you are missing out on an insanely valuable tool. And the best part of all is that Promo Guy is run by a small team of passionate sports fans dedicated to building a well-informed, better betting community. Go to promoguy.us and check out their 100% tracked, transparent, and proven method for betting smarter. So make sure you check out promoguy.us. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. Over-under is integrated into fantasy, the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. Not only can you enter a contest via over-under itself, but you can also do so through your fantasy league's matchup screen. For example, Patrick Mahomes is your starting quarterback, and not only do you think you're going to win your fantasy matchup, but you're also confident that he will have at least 250 passing yards. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's an app where you can follow your friends' picks and contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Not only do they have the NFL, but they also have college football player props. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game, have fun with your friends, and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP, and Sleeper automatically match your first deposit up to $100 promo code SGP. Again, go to sleeper.com slash SGP and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We're also brought to you by the Elias Game Plan app. Did you know that the best day of the week is actually Monday and Thursday? And Sunday, because it's NFL season, and we all want to bet on the NFL action. And whether you're into fantasy leagues, betting on your team, or you just want to talk about highlights around the water cooler at work, the NFL season just got a lot better thanks to the Elias Game Plan app, the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app for the most trusted name in sports stats. The Elias Sports Bureau, the official statisticians of U.S. pro sports leagues. Elias Game Plan is full of information and insights provided by their experts expert research team, which means they constantly give you information that is up to date and that you can trust. And the Elias Game Plan is also releasing new features all the time, like their chat function, which allows you to talk directly with their researchers. I personally use the Elias Game Plan app all the time when it comes down to breaking down some NFL action. And if you want to get some up to date information on the injury report, especially, which might be difficult to find, but that's where the Elias, uh, that's where the Elias Game Plan app comes in. Elevate your NFL season today and download the Elias Game Plan app. That's E-L-I-A-S. 
And right now, I have a special offer when you subscribe. Get 15% off your annual subscription, but only if you use the promo code SGPN. Find Elias Game Plan Sports Betting in the App Store or Play Store today and use the promo code SGPN15. We're brought to you by Run Your Pool. Introducing Run Your Pool VIP, a brand new subscription service from Run Your Pool that helps you get an extra edge against the books, plus exclusive access to real money pools, entry to our exclusive weeks one and two pools with guaranteed $5,000 payouts, as well as our season-long pool with a guaranteed $100,000 payout. Get, get access to exclusive data to help you with your weekly game picks, premium content like in-depth guides for how to dominate your pools, and exclusive swag. Use code SGPNVIP at runyourpool.com slash VIP and get 50% off your first month of Run Your Pool VIP. That's code SGPN VIP at runyourpool.com slash VIP. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished going through the futures for Mets. Now it's time to get into the actual matches in the Lock and Dog segment. Sam, I'm going to let you go first. What is your lock for the show? So I'm going to go actually for a Frenchman for my lock here in the, one of the first round matchups. Uh, it's going to be Gasquet over Dominic Team. Gasquet in the money line. I see a minus 120. Uh, Team has been playing a lot of matches recently, and he actually made it to the finals of that challenger event in uh, in France, and he just played and lost to Humbert in the final. 6-0 so second set. I think he's, uh, fatigue is going to be a big factor for him there, uh, especially for a guy like Team who's trying to get back into momentum uh, and then having to play uh, Richard Gasquet here in the first round. I think the, because of the fatigue factor and because we've seen in the past those guys that make it to the final or win the final and then have to play a tournament literally the next day or two days later, uh, don't perform as well uh, because of the fatigue factor and a little bit of a celebration run maybe there if they made the final or won the final. I think SK, who only played a few matches in Davis Cup and won both of them, will be able to take team down here. Uh, they say it's supposed to be Wednesday. I thought it was going to be tomorrow. Uh, but it's showing up as Wednesday, the matchup. So keep an eye out on that one uh, coming up on Wednesday. Yep. And what about your dog for the show? I'm going with another Frenchman, but um, not because I think he's going to make a great run, but because I think he's going to win his next matchup. Uh, it's going to be Bonzi on the money line at plus 110 over Hugo Humbert. We have talked about Humbert recently and that he made a great run in the in that French qualifying same uh, challenger event, same exact situation. Humbert just won the, the whole tournament or, and obviously made it to the final. So I think fatigue will be a very big factor against Bonzi in his first round. Uh, it, it, same exact reasoning I have for Dominic team almost besides on top of that, Bonzi just played Humbert in the U S open and Bonzi lost, but he won the first two sets and it, this this tournament's going to be two out of three. So I think he has a great shot. I'm sorry, Bonzi, Bonzi won, won the match. He won the won first the two, first lost two the next two, then won the fifth. I meant Humbert lost to yeah. Bonzi. Bonzi won the first two sets. Humbert won the next two sets. And then Bonzi pulled it out in the fifth. But this is a two out of three tournament. And, you know, if Bonzi is able to perform exactly like he did in U.S. Open, on top of the fatigue factor, he'll be able to take home the dub here at plus 110 Bonzi. Also being a Frenchman, I think it's a good deal. 
Yeah. So for me, I am going to go for a lock. You can't really find it in many books right now, but I did find it. It is pretty juicy, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to go to the Burks-Basilashvili match, and I'm going to take Bergs on the money line at roughly minus 160. I said it's juicy, and it makes sense, but it's Basilashvili. I have to fade him. There's really not much more to go into here. Basilashvili has been actively punting matches for basically the entire hardcore season. He's lost six straight, and to go through the actual matches, he has not won a set in any of those matches. He's gotten his brains beaten in. Uh, be he lost to Van Rithoven in straight sets in Wimbledon. Then he lost to Karatsev in straight sets in Hamburg. Then the hardcourt season lost 6-0-6-1 to McDonald. Lost 6-4-6-1 to Montero. Lost in straight sets to Yibing. And then he lost in doubles in straight sets there. He hasn't won a set since... It's actually kind of funny. He has not won a set since June. Wow. And I, I can fade him at minus 160. Now, is Berg's a great hardcore player? Not really. He's a youngster, though, and he did go through qualifying, so he's familiar with the actual courts at Mets. I got to fade Basilashvili, though, at minus 160. Maybe 2 nothing. maybe on the spread. We know Basilashvili could easily quit halfway through the match and not actually retire, but just get lose six games in a row and nobody would be surprised. I'm going to fade Basilashvili, don't fix what isn't broken, and go with Bergs on the money line at minus 160. And for my dog, Sam, I'm going to ask you, should I go for the safe dog or the big dog? Uh, it depends on the difference in value. It's hard to, it's hard to answer uh, that. I'm directly. just saying, because there's a couple of options that I'm actually intrigued by. And it's going to be the match that you just talked about. It's going to be Gasquet and team. I was torn between this one or Bonzi. Or maybe even Simone, because I really don't like how Gullfen's been playing lately. And Simone's plus 260, which I thought was a little bit large because Gullfen's really been a train wreck. But to go through Gasquet, I'll go with my big dog here. I'm going to take Gasquet to win in three sets. And I'm going to take that one at plus 350. Team has been... I don't, I don't even know how to describe his rehab so far because he, co he couldn't win a match for about eight months and then he finally started winning matches on clay. And then he transitioned over to hard court. And he did end up making it to the final of the challenger. Didn't look amazing by any means. But you're looking at teams matches. He is pretty, I'd say, used to the third set. And he has been known to kind of split each of the first two sets recently. So I just mentioned that he ended up having the runner-up final in the previous Challenger event, he went to three sets in two of those five matches. Before that, ended up uh, uh, losing in four to Krenyabusta. Then in Winston-Salem, he ended up losing the first set 6-0 to Dimitrov, was up a break in the second. Probably would have gone three, but then Dimitrov retired. He also went three sets in the first round against Wolf to go back to Clay, went three sets against Humphman. Uh, if you want to go back even further, team is pretty commonly involved in a third set. And Gasquet is a guy who's older. I expect a lot of marathon points. I expect to see a lot of ebbs and flows. I just think eventually team runs out of gas and Gasquet will ride the home crowd behind him to an extra energy boost down the stretch. Give me Gasquet to win in three sets at plus 350. Uh, I mean, I, I like it. I think SK is going to win no matter what. So uh, I'm on the same. If they if he wins in two or three, don't matter to me. So I'm I'm all. Yeah, I, I just decided to go for the big dog there. Uh, I thought about Simone. I mean, Simone isn't 
he's he's going to retire in basically a month anyway. But uh, Golfin should not be minus three fifty. Uh, they both rally a lot. Golfin's been a mess. If you were pricing that match, what do you think Golfin should be? Because I feel like, especially with the crowd behind Simone, because Simone's been one of the more successful French players in the past decade and change. Do you think do you think Golfin should be closer to like minus two hundred maybe? Yeah, I was going to say 200, 225 even. Uh, he was able to beat Bonzi and Ott in the in the Davis Cup. So, I mean, he has a little bit of a better reputation recently than Simone, but uh, I still think 350 is a little bit much. Yeah, that's how I looked at it, and I thought about Bonzi as well, mostly because of fatigue. Uh, Bonzi, I think, is a pretty good player. He's not amazing by any means, but he has a pretty good serve. I think he can hold enough and let Umber self-destruct. But either way... That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Sam, before we officially end the show, let the people know where they can find you. Let the people know what you're up to. Uh, I'll be on this podcast all the time with Scott breaking down these tennis tournaments. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam Jacob Tennis, uh, giving out con- always tennis content and only tennis content there. Yep. And you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Besides that, still doing a bunch of other podcasts. NFL, I'm on twice a week. WNBA season's officially over, but Terrell and I have to do the wrap-up show, so we'll have one more episode for the season there. Other than that, though, a lot of other content. We got the NBA coming around. We're going to start doing division previews at some point this month, so get your NBA calendars ready because it's approaching, and you know you want to make sure you make some money during the offseason. But other than that, though, until next time, we'll be back, I'm sure, in a couple of days to go through some of the mid-tournament matches. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.